We are coming to you uh, ready for Joel 3. Uh, Would you bow your heads and pray with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment in time as we gather uh, virtually. Would you uh, bind us together? Would you remind us that we are still a community? God, would you make this old word new again and remind us of your goodness, your joy, your fruitfulness, Lord, that you want to do new things by the power of your spirit in us and on us. God, we're hungry for that word today. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning again. Uh, Our message this morning is called, I Will Make It Up To You. And uh, this comes from Joel 2, verses 18 through 27, as Raul just described. This section of scripture describes this brilliant and stunning restoration of the land, transformation, fruitfulness. And by way of introduction, I'm going to read you a Bible verse. Oftentimes, as a communicator, I'll let you kind of in on the communicator secret. We tell stories in order to build intrigue. We often open with a story, an illustration of like, you know, this one time I was playing college football. You might have heard that one before. Or this one time I went fishing. Told that one before too. But it's always about how do I get into the text with you? But as I prayed about this message, how we're going to get into this message is verse 25 of Joel 2 is one of the most beautiful and awe-inspiring verses in scripture where the Lord our God says, I will make it up to you. For those lean years and the things that the locusts have destroyed for years of famine and fruitlessness, God looks at us, his beloved, and says, I will make it up to you. I'm with you. And this is an incredible, joyful, and hopeful word. Last week, uh, we gathered to make our worship service in the midst of the election uncertainty. And there was a bit of a heaviness and a sacredness. And as I prepared this morning, I felt like God wanted to bring a word of joy and peace to us as his church. And the fact of the matter is, in all of our lives, there are stories of challenges right now. And brokenness, and, and loss, and family systems being, you know, struggling And over all of that, Joel 2.25, the Lord your God says, I will make it up to you. And if you're just joining us, you haven't tuned in, this is the third message from Joel. So a little bit of background. We started in Joel 1 where the prophet Joel said, it's time to lament. God, I hurt right now. And and that can be a, a type of worship. Joel 2, God is looking around like there's so much desecration that you have brought into the land, either corporally or individually. And so repent. Say, God, I have done wrong. And then in Joel 3, God says, I want to make it up to you. I want to turn away from judgment I want to I bring a fruitful word to you. And in that day, it says in the text that the judgment of God was withdrawn. And so our key theme today is that God can use times of brokenness and ambush and despair to renew our love for him and to break us of our false addictions for power and control and certainty. And ultimately, God longs to protect us and grow us safely in his image. And he'll pursue us relentlessly toward our wholeness by his spirit. He will make in us those who love him new wine. What a sacred promise. Let's get into this together. This first promise from Joel 2 is that empty vessels get filled. Empty vessels get filled. Look at verses 18 and 19 from Joel 2. Raul just read them. 
Then the Lord was jealous for his land. The land belongs to him. And God took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. God took pity. In this section, there's kind of these three sections I'll be speaking of. This is God speaking. God saying, I will bring you these gifts. Previously, Israel was challenged to look at their present fruitlessness and to grow faith. And God says, you know, the earth was shaken. That's what we covered last week. But God said, my kingdom is unshakable. And now Joel hits him with this promise. I'll restore you. You will bear fruit again. There will be new wine. There will be provision And verse 17, Joel has led into this, that you will know that I am the Lord your God. And in verse 18, the focus is in that day, the goodness of God has begun. God is like, I want to do these things and these gifts. What's the significance of grain and wine and oil? It was a, a motif a bit for the, for the writers of scripture that, that grain was about sustenance. Wine was about joy. Oil was about gladness. And every time these three gifts were used together in the scriptures, it was this picture of wholeness of God's like, whatever your needs are, I'm going to provide them for you. Later in this same section, there's fruitfulness and there's rains falling and showers and filled threshing floors and overflowing vats. God just saying, don't be afraid anymore. The Lord, I am willing to do great things. And so in God's kingdom, dry lands, heavens open. Fruitless trees bear fruit again. We're not called to add God onto an already full plate and think it becomes worship. God's saying, look at the lean years of your life and believe that fruitful harvests are coming because the reality is the lean years make the fruitful years more enjoyable. The struggles make the joy more palpable. These are the faith stories I hear when you tell me about what God has done in your life. Oh, it was that season After my parents got divorced, it was that hard church thing that I went through. It was that instability and relate. It was brokenness, but God showed up. And God doesn't will into us suffering and demise in order that we would turn and see his goodness. But there is this beautiful promise that the lean years make the fruitful harvest more enjoyable. We understand that at at a level in different ways. Agriculturally, we understand fallow lands. You need to let the earth lay fallow to restore harvest. Emotionally, there's, there's a maturation process that happens when we do go through rough patches. And spiritually, God is interested in making in us his new land. Of course, in Joel, for ancient Israel, the land was spiritual. It was a gift from God. And so every time God was talking about, I will restore the land, there was this picture like, oh, he wants to restore us too. We're part of the land. As New Testament Christians, the land is in us. It is our heart that God longs to to bring new life to, to bring new fruit to, new vitality. And God says, I know you've been through some stuff, but stay with me. I want to I fill you. I want to bring you new wine. Uh, new wine is associated with the harvest for all throughout the scriptures. Deuteronomy eleven fourteen. Then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your olive oil. There's that picture of wholeness. 
That God's promised this future full of overflow with the new wine being the, the cherry on top, the, the plentiful life that the Spirit of God wants to bring to us. Listen to Amos 9, 13. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. In God's great economy, empty vessels get filled. No one left the feet of Jesus unchanged. No one who calls upon the Lord leaves empty-handed. And so when we struggle, when we lay fallow, when we're hungry, when we feel like we're being crushed, can we turn to God and say, God, I invite you to bring new life to dead places. God, I invite your water to fall into dry lands. God, I need you. That's what the invitation is from Joel. That actually in our woundedness can become our worship. And so instead of always just asking for like nothing but good times, I've been challenged this week with this thought from Julian of Norwich, ask for a wound. Ask for a wound. Ask that the things that hurt inside of you to see those as opportunities for God to minister to you because our emptiness can become our offering. Julian of Norwich is a fascinating story. Google, Google Julian this week in your home. Maybe study it with your kids, whatever. Julian, we don't actually know her real name. She just lived in the church of St. Julian in Norwich. She lived from 1342 to 1416. And in the world was a dark place. The bubonic plague had wiped out half of Europe. Europe, uh, England was at war with France and Spain. Uh, there was just this just rapid darkness. And she was 30 years old and on death's doorstep. And a priest came and prayed over her, her last rites. And as she prayed, she had a vision of heaven. And in her vision, she was lifted above the darkness of her current situation. She went on to write a book about it. The first book written in the English language by a woman. And as the preachers of the day were preaching judgment, Julian wrote that in every heart there is a desire for God. Disconnection from this desire equates in brokenness, but God is not angry. God longs to minister to us. And so she said, even in our woundedness, God could meet us with new wine. And she had this amazing quote, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. The trajectory of scripture, friends, isn't of judgment and despair. It's of renewing and change and worship and filling that this one source from the one source that can never run dry. So may your empty vessel be filled by the power of the Spirit. And that moves us into our second point here, that gladness and rejoicing are called for the people of God to replace fear and shame. Look at verses 21 through 24 from Joel to, do not be afraid, land of Judah. How many times do we see that in scripture? We're not meant to dwell in the land of fear. No, don't be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid. There it is again. You wild animals, the pastures and wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine, the riches. There's fruitfulness. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. He's given you the autumn reigns because he is faithful. Not because we've earned it. He is faithful. He sends you abundant showers and autumn rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Pretty incredible here. 
I just want to say a few things about this, that shame has no place in our posture of lament and repentance, only restoration. Shame is that peace in ourselves that pulls us away from God that says, I am unlovable to my heavenly father. That's not how he's created us to be. No, repent, lament, and know that God longs to restore you. And don't think that it's all about your effort. It's really about God's power. That's the thing with with new wine, that much as ancient Israel couldn't grow the grapes themselves, there was a gift that brought great joy. And the gift of new wine came from crushing and treading and ultimately celebration, but there was a process. There was this, this, this process of gladness and celebration that was making its way throughout the community. And so Joel says, in the land, you'll have new wine. And for those of us in Christ, our heart is that place for God to conquer, to fill, to bring hope and joy and gladness in places that feel like despair and dark and empty. It's like Jesus is saying over us, I want to make in you new wine. The old is gone, the new is come the new covenant where we are being prepared like empty vessels to be full of his joy and his gladness. New wine in Hebrew is literally this like, um, it's a a picture of being pressed and squeezed and expelled and trodden, often through a wine press or often by human foot. And so when we're crushed, squeezed, expelled, Ask God again and again and again, are you making in me new wine? Therefore, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And God has the power to say, now is the time of restoration. But it's a gift. You won't earn your way to my heart, says God. You won't grow these grapes of, uh, of either joy or grapes of bitterness. Like, let it go. Like, through the crushing and the expelling, know that I want to grow into you fruitfulness and, and joy and gladness. I mean, that's a challenging word to even preach to us. Because we don't, we don't feel joy and gladness often in pandemic. And, and, and those of you like, I'm not feeling the joy of new wine, Scott. Please know, that's the normative experience. That's the experience that says, when I look into the world, it can feel dark and like I'm being crushed and the challenges are aplenty. But through the prophet Joel this morning, there is a declaration that God does long to fill us by the power of his spirit, a posture of gladness, a posture of joy, that it would be a gift So don't think, oh, I got to work harder to feel this. No, it's not about our effort. That we might be recipients of God's gladness and God's joy by the power of his spirit. One of the things that I love to do, and it's just kind of silly. It's like one of these things I think I grew up with. My dad would like wash the car. So when I'm like really trying to live into my 
my wholeness, I go and wash the car and even, you know, I vacuum the car and it's like, I have four kids, so our car often looks like, you know, a bomb went off in there. So it's kind of pointless, but sometimes it makes me feel good. I go and wash the car. So, you know, it was a week or two ago and, and we go to wash the car and I use one of the car washes and, you know, I everyone out of the car and I dump all the stuff and, you know, and I have like four quarters. So I'm going to get my money's worth. There's four quarters. I have a minute and 30 seconds to vacuum the whole car. And so the kids are off to the side and I'm like a maniac. I'm vacuuming this thing and there's cars on my left and cars right and I'm just getting this clean. I'm doing my thing. You know, and and pretty soon I realize I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's working. Like, I'm like, you know, I mean, you should see me vacuum. It's pretty impressive. I'm just like getting after it, you know, and, and I can hear the vacuum going. I'm like, wait. And finally I like, you know, no, there's nothing happening. No, what I'm hearing is the car next to me, they keep putting quarters in. I mean, their vacuum's good. Me, I'm out of change. Like, I'm literally, like, vacuuming with no power. And I'm like, this is fruitless. And this is a picture often of our spiritual life. We're drawing off a past season. We're drawing off a past effort. We're drawing off someone else's spirituality. And in our mind, it's like, well, it should be more joyful than this. And so we keep trying and trying and trying. Let the spirit of God remake you and bring life to you and bring joy to you. And for some of you, like, I've been trying. Maybe it's less about trying and more about receiving Asking people around you to carry some of your burdens and look at your woundedness right now as an opportunity for restoration. Let, let the Lord remake you. And that's what I want to say in, in conclusion. The trials do give way to joy. That's what Joel says here in verse 25 and 26 and just these evocative words of scripture. I will repay you. I will make it up to you, God is saying, for those years the locusts have eaten. You'll have plenty to eat until you're full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Honestly, church, I think we have a bit of a catastrophe of hope right now in our setting where we're not sure that we can trust the goodness of God. We're not sure that God will be good to us. We're not sure how to actually hear that word from him, that he'll remake the years the locusts have eaten. And I, I don't miss years. It's not a moment. God's not like, hey, that was hard on Tuesday. I will make it up to you. So it's like, it's been a season. And if you're struggling to, to connect to the power and fullness and joy of God, you're in good company but do hear the Holy Spirit today speaking to you. God wants to make it up to you. God wants to minister to you. God wants to share life with you. We don't know exactly where that spirit will come from if we are in the driver's seat, but if we're hungry and we have a posture of receptivity, God's like, I can do something powerful. If you look at the election stats of of last week, half of the voters in this state, half have a religion of none. Half don't believe in God. Half are not associated with the church. I want to just say, church, that we have an opportunity right now in a dry and barren land to experience the fullness of God's joy, to invite that joy into others in a posture of service and connection and community, 
and ask God to make us again and again and again empty vessels full of his new wine. And that's going to take some receptivity because remember what Jesus said, new wine needs new wineskins. New wineskins are incredibly flexible. Where does God want to change you right now? Where does he want to pour into you? What is he asking you to be open-handed about? Where is he asking for you to have a posture of receptivity? God is longing to, to remake us and to make us come alive by the power of his spirit. The gift. He wants to make it up to us. This is the time of year where um, my family celebrates our darkest night as we kind of head into like the literal darkest days of the year. Um, in a couple of weeks, our family celebrates. 11 years ago, we lost a full-term baby boy. I've talked about it a lot. But every single year, it's a wound. It's a wound. And the wounds don't go away. God doesn't say, I go and I erase the past hurts. He doesn't say that. I just want to say to you, church, that our wounds can be a pathway to filling of the Spirit. That we can look at places that hurt and hunger in a posture of receptivity to be filled again and again with new wine. And that feels like crushing at times. It feels like things being expelled. God's like, I want to remake you. I want to be good to you. I will be good to you. I've seen that in my own life. Still hurt, still have tough seasons and tough days. But the Lord brought us through our darkest season and he has brought a vitality. I think it's often said of people that suffer grief, there is a a new appreciation for the vivacity and the depth of life lived. So may you feel his life inside of you. May you experience new wine. The Lord, your God, wants to make up to you the years that the locusts have eaten, even if this is this present season. He wants to minister to you through the power of his Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this moment, for... um, for even though it feels dark at times and uh, the pandemic has been incredibly trying and challenging, God, we want to grab onto this word of joy this morning. We want to hold onto this word of gladness that is your people, that you long to bring fruitful times, that your reign longs to, to fill barren lands. And Lord Jesus, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would minister to your church in this specific time. I know there are people listening right now at home that are really struggling. God, would you minister to them? Would you allow them to find community here in this church in virtual spaces? Can they pour out their heart one to another? And Lord God, would, would you make in us new wine by the power of your spirit for your glory in this city in this time? In your name we pray, amen. Let's continue in song.